Welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. I'm your host, Raphael Bender. Today, I want to talk about why we, being Breathe Education, don't teach posture analysis in our Pilates certification and why I haven't been doing posture analysis with my clients for probably pretty close to a decade now. Even though I did it an awful lot and we taught it an awful lot when we first uh, were teaching students. When I was first a Pilates instructor, I did a bazillion posture assessments and I was taught to program based on the posture assessment. You know, when you assess someone's posture and you find that they have lordotic posture, then you know that their hip flexors are short and or strong, their hamstrings and glutes are long and or weak, their lower abs are long and or weak, their lower back is short and or strong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so then you construct a program to stretch all the tight bits and strengthen all the long slash weak bits. And that's the basis of your programming. And then there was another kind of scenario where we used, where I was taught to use posture, where I taught people to use posture, which was in the case of injury rehab or injury prevention, even looking at things like shoulder posture, scapular positioning and movement, pelvic posture. In relation to low back pain, shoulder posture and thoracic posture in relation to shoulder pain, neck posture in relation to neck pain. And so, you know, we were taught that if we, and I used to teach people that if we can, quote, fix the posture um, by, you know, bringing it back towards a more normal or neutral position, then we offload uh, structures because when you uh, are in neutral, you have the you know, the load is dispersed through the body most evenly. And the further away you move from neutral, the more you load certain areas and unload other areas. For example, when you're uh, in an anterior pelvic tilt with an hyperextended lumbar spine, you are loading up the posterior wall of the disc and the facet joints in the lumbar spine and creating an anterior shear force on those lower lumbar vertebrae. And I used to assess people's posture as as a routine part of every client induction. And I taught people how to do it many times. So why don't I do it anymore? And why don't we teach it anymore? Well, really, because it doesn't do the things that I thought it did. Posture actually turns out isn't a good indicator, or really any kind of indicator, of muscle balance. Yes, that's true. The theory that I was taught, which seemed super plausible back in the day to me, was, and you've probably heard this, was that when you know, certain muscles are stronger on one side of the joint, say the hip flexors are stronger than the hip extensors, well, it'll pull the pelvis into an anterior tilt, pulling the hip into flexion. Or just say... The hip extensors are longer than the hip flexors. The hip flexors are tight. Well, that'll pull the pelvis into an anterior tilt, pulling the hip into flexion. So if the pelvis is an anterior tilt and the hip's in flexion, that means you can assume that it's likely the case that the hip flexors are either tight or strong or both relative to the hip extensors. Well, it just turns out that that's not true, even though it sounds pretty plausible. And so... You know, how do we know that this is not true? Well, we get a bunch of people, not when I say we, it's the royal we, it's scientists, 
get a bunch of people and measure their pelvic tilt and then measure their hip flexor strength and measure their hip flexor extensibility, measure their hip extensor strength and their hip extensor extensibility, measure their lower abdominal strength, et cetera, et cetera. And what they find is no correlation. People with anterior pelvic tilts have tight hip flexors and loose hip flexors. People with anterior pelvic tilts have long hamstrings and short hamstrings. People with anterior pelvic tilts have weak lower abs and strong lower abs. So for every person who with an anterior pelvic tilt who has weak lower abs, there's another person who's got strong lower abs who's also got an anterior pelvic tilt. And so there's just no correlation between muscle strength or length and posture. So that what that tells us is posture is not caused by muscle strength or length. So what is posture caused by? Well, probably, a, we don't know for sure, but probably a combination of things. We do know that posture changes through the day. We know that when we look at somebody, their posture tells us a lot about their mood, about their self-confidence, about their level of energy or fatigue. So you know, maybe posture is a way of communicating socially, non-verbally. Like, I mean, if you see your mum walking half a block away, you can probably tell what kind of mood she's in <laughs> by her posture. Certainly when you see a teenager walk in the front door, you can probably tell what kind of mood they're in based on their posture and their movement style. So you know, one element of posture is probably a social communication. You know, like we sit up straight in certain situations like job interviews <laughs> and we probably slump you know, when we think no one's watching or when we wish to appear nonchalant. So there's probably a social communication element of it. And there's probably just an, an element of energy or fatigue, right? So when you're, you know, when you're more mentally alert, you sort of adopt a posture of, you know, leaning forwards, eyes open, you know, shoulders up or shoulders back, you know, this is kind of just an, like, imagine, like, I mean, think about it, your dog, your family dog. When you're having, I mean, we, we were having roast chicken for dinner last night. <laughs> and our dog loves chicken. And uh, she was communicating her love for chicken, non-verbally, through her body posture. Very alert and upright. And then when she felt the cause was lost and all was hopeless and she wasn't going to receive any chicken, it was for certain. She communicated her disappointment through her slumped and hangdog posture as she slouched her way back to her dog bed. So, you know, I think it also communicates our mood and also just our mental alertness, you know, like when we're focused on the chicken, if we love chicken, then uh, our posture reacts accordingly. Also just your fatigue, right? Like you slump and slouch when you're tired because it's less effort to sit, than to sit up straight. Right, slumping and slouching, you use the passive tissues of the, the spine, you know, the, the posterior ligaments, etc., to hold you up, which is less energy than standing and using your muscles, right? So when you're tired, it makes sense to use less effort to do the same thing. So it's probably just a, like a smart physiological mechanism in many situations. And it can just be habitual too, I guess. Although it is. It does seem superficially plausible that posture is an indicator of muscle balance. The science tells us it's not. But paradoxically, we can change posture. 
through exercise. So there's no particular reason to change posture unless someone wants to. And posture is not a great, or it's really not at all, an indicator of muscle length or strength. But it is possible to change someone's posture. So if someone, you know, I guess the one time when I would do, you know, some kind of sort of assessment of someone's posture is if they came to me and specifically said, hey, if I said, why are you here? And they said, like, I want to improve my posture, right? Well, I would ask them, why do you want to improve your posture? And if the answer was, like, so I can get rid of my back pain, well, I would then ask them, like, well, all right, we'll just say we could get rid of your back pain without changing your posture. Would you be okay with that? And oftentimes the answer is like, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Actually, I just want to get rid of the back pain. I thought the posture thing was what I had to do. So, but if they were like, no, no, I actually like, I'm, I hate the way I look. I really want to sit up straight. I want to appear and feel more confident, you know, et cetera. It's like, it's, it's actually a personal goal of mine to improve my posture for its own sake. Well, like I would be fine with that. And I would look at their posture and go, okay, how would you like to change it? You know, which part of you would you like to change and we would work on that part and we would do some strengthening and stretching but i wouldn't assume that because of their posture they have you know these certain muscles weak and long and the other muscles short and strong or whatever but paradoxically by strengthening and stretching those muscles we can improve posture and my take on that literature is that by chain by doing those exercises we're actually just bringing people's attention to their posture more and it's more probably just a feature, uh, uh, like a function of practice of just standing up straight <laughs> that allows people to have straighter posture after strengthening their back and stretching the front, for example, in the case of a rounded upper back. So I would test someone's posture if they specifically brought it as a goal and if it wasn't just like what they thought of as like the mechanism to alleviate their back pain or something, but if they actually just genuinely wanted to improve their posture for its own sake, I've got no problem with that. And I would measure their posture, not for the purpose of classifying them as kyphotic, lordotic, military, flat back or sway back or whatever, but just simply for the purpose of going, okay, well, you want your shoulders to be less rounded. Well, let's see how they are now and let's do some stuff. And in a few weeks, let's see where they're at and see if we've made a difference. Right? That way we can we know if we're making progress. So I would just measure it and it wouldn't have to be like classifying, like, oh, your shoulders are too far forward or they're not far enough forward. It's like, okay, currently this bone lines up with this bone. Okay, let's take a photo and then let's do some exercises and come back in six weeks and take another photo and see what see what we see. So, you know, that that would be a situation where I would assess posture, but I wouldn't it would just be literally kind of for a before and after shot. I guess it wouldn't really be an assessment. It would just be like a, okay, well, let's just see what we're working with here. And let's start by just catalog, uh, like, you know, recording what we, what, what our starting point is. Sort of like a before and after photo with the, you know, those weight loss people. All right. So posture is not a great place to start programming choices from unless it's somebody's like real goal to change their posture. So if someone just comes in and they're like, oh, I just want to get fit and strong and flexible and all of those normal things that people want to get. Well, I wouldn't do a posture assessment for that person. I don't think there's any benefit. I think it's a waste of time. It doesn't give you any useful information. If you want to know if the hip flexors are tight, guess what? See if they can do a front split. If they can, they don't have tight hip flexors. If they can't, you could probably, you probably could improve it. 
right? Doesn't mean they're quote tight, just means like, okay, is there room for improvement? Yeah, you could improve it. So if they want to get more flexible, let's do that. So the best way, you know, the take home here, I think is the best way to find someone's muscle strength and length is to directly measure muscle strength and length, right? So don't think of posture as a proxy for muscle strength and length. Just just measure this muscle strength and length, right? Do a, you know, how many squats can you do? How many one-legged squats can you, how many like glute bridges can you do? One-legged glute bridges can you do? Um, how many uh, straight double leg stretches can you do? That's a good measure of low abdominal strength. Right, so we could actually just measure the muscle strength itself rather than looking at posture and then assuming that that tells us about muscle strength because it doesn't. And if I were programming for a client, I would just program a general full body workout anyway. In other words, just like basically contrology <laughs> because that's a full body workout is going to work all of the bits. And wherever they're weakest, they'll progress most quickly because those areas will have the greatest potential for improvement. And the, the stronger you get in any particular area of your body, the slower you progress, right? So if you're a total beginner, never done a push-up before in your life, and you do a push-up, you're going to get stronger. Whereas if you do 100 push-ups a day for 10 years, you're going to be pretty darn strong already. But to keep getting stronger is going to be really difficult, you're going to have to do a, you know, a lot of work to just get a tiny bit stronger. Whereas as a newbie, you get stronger really quickly with just a little bit of work. So if somebody's a newbie in one muscle and really strong in another muscle, and they do the same amount of work in both muscles, well, the newbie muscle, you know, the weaker muscle, the one that's new to exercise, is going to progress way quicker. So if you just give, it, give someone a balanced whole body workout, you know, as in working the front, the back, the sides, the arms, the legs, the abs, the back, well, the weak bits are going to get stronger faster than the strong bits. So they're going to balance themselves out. Isn't that the genius of Pilates? It's just amazing. Just give them the exercises and the body will sort itself out. I think the Joseph's Pilates words were something like, your, your body development will pr- approach the ideal in return to life. And I agree with him. I don't agree with him about everything, but I agree with him about that. So yeah, I don't think there's any need to do a posture analysis in order to improve someone's posture, just <laughs> give them Pilates. And if they do particularly want to, you know, bring their shoulders back or stand up straight or whatever, and it's not just because they think that's the way to achieve some other goal, because it's probably not, but if they actually just genuinely was like, no, why are you here? I'm here because I want to stand up straighter, <laughs> right? And I don't have back pain or anything. I just want to stand straighter. So, okay, great. Let's let's help you stand straighter, no problem. Let's strengthen your back and stretch your front. Easy peasy. And it's paradoxical, isn't it, that strengthening the back and stretching the front makes someone, will change someone's posture. And it's like, that was a surprise to me. That's one of the things I've changed my view on in the last six months when I read that literature. So uh, yeah, it seems to be the case that posture doesn't indicate muscle balance, but strengthening and stretching can change posture. And so thus, I hypothesize that it strengthens, strengthening and stretching changes posture probably through motor learning, through changing the central nervous system. Right, so the second case is injury. And we just know from a shit ton of studies that posture doesn't predict injury. Anterior pelvic tilt doesn't predict back pain. In In fact, having a flattened lordosis is correlated with more back pain. 
There was a systematic review in 2017 that found that uh, a flattened lordotic curve, so basically a, a flattened low back, is associated with more low back pain. But when we do things to exercises to increase someone's lordosis, it helps their back pain, but no more than exercises that don't increase their lordosis. So exercise helps back pain, but changing someone's posture per se doesn't help back pain any more than just strengthening and stretching, you know, in general. So it might be the case that, for example, people with low back pain tense their abs and thus flatten their lumb flatten their lumbar curve more. So maybe having low back pain causes a flattened lumbar curve rather than the reverse. Or maybe something else causes both of those things. You know, like for example, maybe the fact that shark bites and ice cream sales both go up at the same time every year and then both go down at the same time every year isn't because eating ice ice cream causes people to get bitten by sharks, but maybe because summer causes people to eat more ice cream and also causes people to swim more in the ocean. And so if we got all those people and prevented them from eating ice cream, it probably wouldn't change the number of people who get bitten by sharks. And in the same way, if there's some underlying factor that predisposes people to back pain and also predisposes them to a flattened lordosis, well, changing the lordosis isn't going to change their back pain any more than just any other regular old exercise. And we see the same in the shoulder, you know, scapular dyskinesis, as it's called, or, you know, like incorrect, in quotes, you know, movement or position of the scapula isn't a risk factor for shoulder injury or shoulder pain. And it's you know, equally or even slightly more common in pain-free people. Sitting in slumped posture isn't a risk factor for neck pain. You know, the, the list goes on. We've studied this you know, fairly extensively and we've found that there's no real evidence of causality from posture to pain or injury. And if our goal is to prevent pain or reduce pain, prevent injury, reduce injury, rehabilitate injury, then there are lots of places we could start that would be more fruitful than improving posture. You know, because everything you do, there's an opportunity cost. You know, you can't do everything. You could do anything, but you can't do everything. And so it's up to us as professionals to do the things that are going to have to give our clients the most benefit in the time that we have with them. And posture assessment is not one of those things when it comes to injury. So muscle strength is a thing. Range of motion is a thing. Psychosocial factors are important for injury. Training load is important for injury. Sleep is important for injury. So there are lots of things that are going to be much higher value in terms of reducing injuries or rehabilitating injuries or reducing or or rehabilitating from chronic pain that are going to be way more impactful than assessing or changing posture. So it's just not a thing that's useful to do. So I guess that's pretty much all I've got to say on the topic. Posture turned out to be not a good indicator of muscle balance. Turned out to be not, not really at all a predictor of injury or pain. But we can change it with exercise and 
if someone really wants to change it, I don't see any problem with doing that. But I don't think we need to, quote, assess their posture first. All we need to do is take a before and after shot, right? Where's your shoulder today? Where is it in six weeks after we've done some exercises? Where's your pelvis today? Where is it in six weeks after we've done some exercises? And if we want to help somebody, you know, improve their muscle balance, just give them general Pilates. It's going to fix itself. It's a self-leveling system. Just work all of the bits and the bits that are already strong will get strong slower than the bits that are weak. And the bits that are already flexible will get more flexible more slowly than the bits that are currently stiff. If you just do the whole body Pilates thing. And for injury prevention, reduction, rehab, strengthening, stretching, address sleep, address psychosocial factors, fear avoidance, negative pain beliefs, expectation, social support, psychological resilience and optimism. Huh, I wrote a book about that. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Posture is not one of the things that turns out to be important or recommended by high quality clinical practice guidelines. But all of those other things I mentioned are. All right, team, that's where I'm going to leave it. Hope you found that interesting. Those musings, I'll pop some of those studies as links in the show notes. Much love, and I'll see you in the next one. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So Rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.